That's right. Welcome in. Chase and TD ESPN 1025, the game all around the world on the Game Nashville app. Good Friday evening, everyone. Chase McCabe alongside Teron Davenport of ESPN. He covers the Tennessee Titans for them. Calvin Smith behind the glass. He does some stuff for us. This and that. And uh, it's... Yeah, there you go. Titans and Broncos coming up this weekend. But first, Teron, we must review, sadly. What took place at Nissan Stadium last Sunday is the reason why by the... The time this season is over, I'm not going to have any hair because the Titans make me pull it out because they lose 14-7 to the Bills at home, and they had every chance in the world to win that game. Yeah, it's man, it's one of those things where you have one side doing really well and the other side just simply not getting it done. Collectively as a unit, they're losing, but at the end of the day, man, the offense is, is struggling, seriously, so... It's something they have to get together. I uh, I read an interesting article in The Athletic, and I've heard you bring this up before too, but that uh, John Glennon put together, that when Mariota g- gets rid of the football in under two and a half seconds, he's golden. It's great. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. What does that mean? That means one read. That first read is available, and bam, get rid of the football. When he has to hold on to it, though, that's when he struggles. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is the objective is to get the ball out of his hands and into the hands of playmakers quickly. And that's something that we at ESPN have been talking about Mm -hmm. for quite some time. You know, we were one of the first. I'm not going to say me. I don't like saying that. So I'll just say ESPN. Uh, We looked at just the different things. And actually, on talking with TD, Calvin and I discussed it as well. When you look at it, it's – I think Calvin was two two point seven seconds. Before talking about Mariota's time to throw yeah. at the beginning of the year, it was almost at three, and he's yeah. dropped it into the two seven five ish range right now. Right, right. So that's showing that they're kind of forcing him to get the ball out quicker. But a lot of that was from that Falcons game, and really the bottom line because he he has time on many of his attempts, but. The bottom line is he has to get into more of that rhythm, has to be more decisive with the football, and get rid of it. And the thing that can be frustrating for people watching Mariota is the fact that when he does see it, believe it, let it rip, and that thing is is usually in the right spot. And it's just one of those things where they have to find out a way to speed up that process. Yeah, and and it also doesn't help when the offensive line, you know, they're having their struggles. Taylor Lewan came back, but – you could definitely tell he had missed four weeks. It was a rough day for him. So that trickled down because I, I truly believe how Lawan plays trickles down through the rest of the offensive line. Uh, so hopefully he can have a better week this week against the Broncos and, and pick up Roger Saffold because they need some help. Yeah, and to be honest with you, outside of A.J. Brown, you know, because A.J., a- a- he, he has some, that, some, some spice to him. You know uh, what I mean? But I think outside I of A.J., him. like before he got here, I really think Taylor Lewan was kind of like the catalyst for that offense as a whole. You know, they needed a spark. They needed someone to kind of light a fire. He would be the one to do it. So, for me, you're right. When you watch Lewan and Saffold, and I asked Lewan about this, just what's going on with the TE stunts. And Lewan, right away, he pointed to what he and Saffold have to do. But the thing that I like that, that he did was, you know, he took accountability, responsibility for what had happened. But – 
instead of harping on that, he's looking towards a solution. And it just goes back to something that I've been saying all along that had to happen. It, you know, we talked about more reps together, that continuity, that communication. And that's exactly what Lawan said that they need. They need to yeah. get more time together. They need to get more reps. So that way that when that stunt comes, they, they know how to exchange. Or even just period, just being able to work off of each other. Because the offensive line, I don't think there's a group in, in sports that's more dependent upon one each, one another than the offensive line. Right. Right? That has to work in sync. That has to be the timing and everything. It has to be right. So that's something that they're going to continue to work on. Yeah, and you you sent me some videos uh, of a breakdown that you had done of Roger Saffold and how oh, he yeah, got beat a yeah. few times. And and that was a big difference in the game because, it, as we all know, the offensive line, how they perform is going to trickle down to the rest of the offense. So. Yeah. Uh, giving Mariota time. Do you think this this combination of Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, the mix, has that been working? I think Derrick Henry's been fine. He, he's he been the big dog and you've been feeding him, but Deion Lewis I have concerns with. Yeah. Uh, the thing that's surfacing with Deion Lewis that is kind of confusing is, is the drops. Right. He has some un, very untimely. I mean, there's never a good time for drops, but he's had some untimely drops. And that's not a characteristic of Deion Lewis, you know, a guy who studied um, uh, uh, Darren Sproles, you know, back when he was. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, funny, a little little background on Deion Lewis because he wasn't always a receiving type of uh, back. However, he got to Cleveland. He was working with North Turner, and North Turner said, listen, if you want last in this league, what you need to do, look at this guy right over here. His name happened to be Darren Sproles. And a lot of what Dion started to do as far as become a pass catcher, he patterned after Darren Sproles. No coincidence, you know, yeah. they played the Eagles last year. I talked to uh, Dion about that and Sproles as well. Um, he's a pass catching running back now. But the fact that he's dropping the – but that, there are issues there because there have been some plays that have been left on the field mm-hmm. because of his drops. So that's something that they have to get right. I still – like Deion Lewis running between the tackles. I, I like that. I, I'm not going to say the results are coming or are here, yeah. but I would say they're coming. And he's a guy that can still get you positive yards running between the tackles because even though he's smaller, he runs hard. So that's something I want to see them continue to do. But bottom line, Derrick Henry needs more touches. I, I mean, not, I agree. He, he needs – there are just times where they pull him out and – I just feel like it's the wrong time. And he's just – they're just starting to get exactly. it going. And, exactly. and I'm curious, and I know we're going to talk a lot about the Rod Smith signing, uh, who they brought in this week as, a, as another running back. David Flewellen, of course, on IR. So mm-hmm. they signed Rod Smith, elevated Dalen Dawkins as well. But I'm curious of if they're going to work Rod Smith into things, who is that going to take reps away from? Because, I mean, you gotta you got to find the reps somewhere, and I hope it's not, not Derrick Henry because – as you just said, once he gets going, that's when you really see him start to rack up the yards, and then they pull him out. Well, why not have them both in the game at that the would, same time? That that would you be fantastic. I mean? Some two and, back and, sets, and, and and they showed that look a few times uh, during. Well, I'm not gonna say they showed the look. They had the two guys uh, during individual period working yeah. working in tandem. So we'll see what happens there. But Ross Smith, I think that's a good sign, and we have a one on one with him. Yeah. I, I got that today in the locker room, so we'll get that later on so stay tuned for that defense 
continues to be the bright spot for the Tennessee Titans. They they held the Bills to only 14 points. Unfortunately, that was enough for them to win. Now the kicking the kicking issues, you know, that was a part of things too. Cairo Santos, who now is a free agent, missed four field goals for the Tennessee Titans. So if he makes makes those or at least three of them, it's a different ball game. But uh, the fact of the matter is he didn't. But the defense, I still like what I'm seeing out of them as they continue to grow. Yeah, I like what the defense is doing. But before we get into that, I want to just circle back to the offense. Okay. Because there are a couple things, well, three things that are happening that is really just, it's it's destroying this team, right? It's destroying their production. One, the penalties, right? You, you oh. saw the points that it cost them against the Bills, right? A Jamil Douglas didn't play many snaps. But he cost them a touchdown yeah. in the limited snaps that he played, right? One of why, why are they stuff. rotating him in? I, I think they, they wanted to have a big look in, in, in that in that formation, right, in that in that time. And it, it worked. It just you had that I, I forget what his penalty was, but uh it, it brought back the touchdown. But then it's just the same old, same old. You have penalties on first and second down, uh putting you in third and long situations, and then you compound the third and long with another penalty, and now it's it's third and, and from here to to Memphis, you, you know what I mean? You can't have that. And the other thing is it's negating big plays. Now, one of the things that continues to be an issue and is dating back to Pittsburgh in week three of the preseason is that T.E. stunt. And that's something I'm going to continue to talk about that. You know, some of the guys I could tell, like, they're like, all right, look, man, enough. Well, you know what? Marcus Mariota is saying enough. So I asked Coach Rabel about that, and here's what Coach Rabel had to say when uh, I asked them about the TE stunts that they're giving up. Stop the penetrator, flatten them out, deliver them to the next guy, and then take the looper. But that's how I would, that's, we, how, I would, that's how we coach. Okay. If you're wondering how we coach the, the TE and the ET game. It's the same everywhere. So is it just? Flatten out the penetrator, punch, flatten them out, deliver them to the other guy, and then be inside out on the guy that's looping back around. And so we... We run a lot of that on defense, and we just have to kind of anticipate it. And then when we don't get it, kick slide out of there and stay inside out on our guy. You're looking for the O-line tutorial. (laughs) Coach (laughs) Mike Raves. That's Coach Raves, man. I like like that in him, though. So that's pretty much the issue that they're having. And one thing he said they're looking for that to ha- keep happening, well, you know what, it's a copycat lead. Mm-hmm. So you're going to continue to see those stunts, and you, you've seen them almost weekly. So keep an eye out for that. But when you talk about the defense, they are continuing to hold it down, right? This is a team that people show concern about re- rushing the passer, yeah. right? Well, I don't think that concern should really be as as prevalent now. They're fourth in the NFL in co- collectively in sacks, 17 sacks this season. Um, Harold Landry has four. Yep. I talked to him. Uh, we broke down one of his sacks for talking with TD. And I, I asked him, you know, sacks come in bunches, right? That's usually what happens for pass rushers. Why is that? And he, he talked about how it's when you, you, you're feeling like you're in your groove, you're feeling unstoppable. And he stopped short of saying that he's unstoppable right now. But – Expect to see some more sacks coming from Harold Landry. Yeah, who is it that we both were just glowing about and hoping was going to have a huge season? Harold Landry. Yeah, and I told him. I, I said, I'm be honest with you. you. You know, my minimum for you this season was ten sacks. Yeah, and he just kind of laughed and shook his head. So yeah, and I mean, we definitely he's, he's on track. To he's get on there. track for sure. 
through five games, yeah. he has four. Oh yeah, I, I would say he's on track. But then you also you got Re- Reggie Gilbert, you know, coming in. With, I like with, him. Yeah, I he one thing I like about him is effort and the dip, yeah. right? And and we talked about because he was also on talking with TD. We talked about just some of the drills that he works where he would run the hoop. So pregame before it was in Jacksonville, right? I caught him before before the game, watching you know doing the workout, and he would have a tennis ball set up. And they would they would snap the ball. He'll come off the snap, and he would dip his shoulder as he ran the hoop and had to pick up the tennis ball. Oh, and wow. it was crazy because that drill transferred right over to his sack. So that's something to, to uh, you know take note of. So he's another guy. Yeah, and so I like what the defense is doing. And, and you know, who knows? Uh, Jeffrey Simmons could be close to yeah. to rejoining, and that's only going to help. I, you know, not right away. He's going to have to get acclimated and all of that, but. I do like what the defense is doing. When we come back to Ron, we're going to talk to uh, Jeff Legwald from ESPN. He covers the Broncos for them. Of course, familiar with this area. We will uh, get a little more information on the Denver Broncos. We'll do that next. Chase and TD, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. We're back, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Chase and TD. Jason McCabe, Teron Davenport hanging out. That flavor in your ear. That's what we're about to bring you, yes. folks, the flavor in your ear. You know, a, a Nashville flavor in your ear now in Denver. Yes. Let's say hello to Jeff Legwald from ESPN. He covers the Broncos for them. Jeff, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? We are doing well. Excited about this matchup this weekend, but the Broncos coming off of their first win of the season against the L.A. Chargers. And I know it's been a, an up-and-down, rough season, really, so far for Vic Fangio in his first year with the Broncos, but they get that win. What did you see out of them as they were able to go in and, and beat the Chargers? Well, there's probably something to be said for Fangio's ability to sort of keep everybody pointed in the right direction. When you talk about a team that lost two games this year on the last play, uh, they've had two two kicks on the last play to beat them in games they thought they had won. So uh, he is somehow – Sort of kept them on the track, even despite uh, a big pile of injuries that you know, sort of everybody's got to deal with. But uh, they've had them at corner and uh, in the offensive line, which was the exact two places they could handle injuries the least this year. So all those things working together, they they felt pretty good about uh, going to LA and, and and getting a win. But uh, they did win there last year too, and it didn't. Didn't really spur them on to major major things, so I think they're hoping uh, to get a little more out of it this time. What has been your impression so far of Vic Fangio, a, a guy that's been a coordinator for a very long time, finally gets a chance to be a head coach, and John Elway taps him to be that guy? But I've heard he's you know he's he's an old school kind of has that mentality. What's been your impression of him so far? Yeah, I think he's a combination. I, I'm not sure you could coach players in the league for as long as he has and be as sort of universally uh, liked. I mean, I've talked to so many of his former players who've told me, yeah, Vic, you know, Vic straight up, you know, 100% truthful, uh, never, you know, they don't feel like he ever uh, leads them, you know, astray to when he's trying to make a point and that he takes the heat for the players and he's done that here. So, uh, you know, and on one hand, you know, he waited until he was 61 to be a head coach. And on the other hand, he's, he's this guy who kind of, uh, 
you know, he, he stopped doing some of the sort of the rookie hazing they, they've done here for a long time. And, you know, he, he said, I just stopped it. And we asked him why. And he said, well, I, I just thought it was silly. And, you know, so things like that, he, he kind of has a new flavor on a, on a guy who's been in the league for over 30 years. And, you know, he is as straightforward and as blunt as it gets. We, we asked him about penalties a few days ago, and he said, well, that's an indictment of coaching. And, you know, a lot of guys would have thrown, thrown the sort of the players under the bus and say, well, it's execution and they're not playing the way they're coached and all that stuff. But now he just said, that's an indictment on coaching. So it's been that kind of a ride. You know, he's been very upfront, very straightforward, and hasn't hid from any of it. That's a great point about uh, Coach Fangio. And one of the things that I noticed back when I used to cover the 49ers and he was the D.C. there, uh, Eric Reed, he actually told me that he's never been more prepared for games than he was under Vic Fangio. And then even you got Ed Donatel, you see some of the drills that they will work on, transfer to games. How are the players communicating to you just as far as, like, are they – do they feel like they're very, very prepared for games and, and really benefiting from his tip sheets? Oh, I, I, Turner, I think you're exactly right. And, and you know, I think even former players like Chant Bailey was at practice today and, you know, he was watching kind of how they were going through things. And, you know, Ed Donatel was a secondary coach here for a little bit when Champ was playing here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, some of it looked familiar, but, Khalil Mack called Vic Fangio a mad genius, and uh, he really is. And I think last week's game is the first game I really charted when it was all done and said, you know, I think they're starting to get it because it is a complicated scheme. It asks a lot of players in different situations. Uh, they don't always get to just line up and play, but in the, if they do get it, they can play fast out of it and I think ultimately that's his goal but it does take a minute for it to sink in and I think they're just starting to get it uh and I would really expect even with Bradley Chubb out of the lineup I would I would expect Von Miller to have a stretch at some point where he puts a bunch of games together and people see what he can do in the defense like guys as far back as Ricky Jackson have done mm. in the defense don't patrol that's right. That's right. Now, one of the other things that are really important in that defense, obviously, is the secondary. You mentioned Donatel, um, how he was a secondary coach. And, of course, I, I would assume that's his area of focus now, you know, even though he's a D.C. What are the Broncos doing at cornerback? I know Bosby went down. You got Chris Harris there. But what else? What's left? What What can they do? Well, they've been really impacted by it. They sort of put all their free agency uh, money at corner. You know, they, they felt like Kareem Jackson would play safety here, and, and that's where that's where he's played. But yeah. Bryce Callahan was a guy they, they signed in free agency, and, and their hope was Callahan and, and, you know, could man one of the outside spots. They could play Chris Harris at nickel. And then Kareem Jackson could play wherever they needed him, you know, corner or safety or, or just do things down to down. But Callahan hasn't played at all because of a foot injury and, and may not play this year. They don't know yet, but uh, that's really impacted them. And you know, like you say, they, 
Bosby was a guy they sort of found in the Alliance of American Football, and they got him in here, and Vic had coached him before briefly and uh, said that, you know, he was really going to fit. That was a real surprise for them a little bit, and now he's he missed, he'll, he'll miss the rest of the year with a neck injury. So uh, they're kind of patchwork in spots at corner. They rotate a lot, but, you know, it's Chris Harris and Kareem Jackson are the main focal points, and they kind of build around that. Jeff Legwald here with us, covers the Broncos for ESPN, here on Chase and TD. And Joe Flacco was brought in to, uh, to be the stopgap at quarterback because I know the Broncos have had their struggles at finding someone since Peyton Manning. So far, it's been it's been decent, but he has some weapons that he's been able to use. Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, Philip Lindsay. How would you say Joe Flacco has managed this offense so far? Well, they, they like him an awful lot here. I think what he's done that they've been missing since Peyton was here was uh, be the quarterback Monday through Saturday, too. You know, you got to have a guy that will – mingle in the cafeteria and sit with guys and, and do all of those things as the, as the front of the line player. He's done a lot of that. And, it, you know, and I think the offense fits him and I think they're starting to discover what they do best. They've had moments when they've driven the ball against, you know, some pretty good defenses. You know, they moved the ball better against Chicago than a lot of people have. They just couldn't close out the drives or didn't close out the drive. So, you know, Green Bay as well. They moved the ball like crazy against Green Bay, but, you know, they got turnovers got them that time. So they're just starting to get their balance a little bit, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, Sutton's an ascending player. He's still got room to grow, and he, he could he could look like a, a lot like Demarius Thomas before it's all said and done. Now, you know I'm not going to let you get out of here without a draft question. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to let that happen. So let's let's talk this year's draft class. Noah Font, I know that he's, you know, a guy who's kind of in that picture, in that mix as far as one of Flacco's options. What have you seen from him? He's, you know, he's getting better. You know, he, this offense, uh, Rick, Rick Scangarello, the coordinator here, worked with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, uh, you know, and has – has met with Mike Shanahan where the roots of this offense go, you know, McVay's offense, the Niners offense, this one, all the roots go to Mike Shanahan mm-hmm. at some point. And uh, the tight end, it, it, other than quarterback, there's no tougher position to learn in this offense than tight end because you're fully involved in the passing game, you're fully involved in the run game as a blocker. You have to be well-versed in pass protection you got to know all the routes. So, Fant, uh, they're just starting to get a little better about having him do what he can do best right now. And that's why he's had moments when he's really shown the athleticism. And then other moments, he looks like a guy really trying to, you know, you know when you get lost when you're driving and you kind of make that face. That, that sometimes he's kind of got that face when he's trying to figure out where he should be in the formation. But he's getting there. And I'm not sure there are many linebackers that can run with him in the open field when, when he gets. He's kind of a long strider, but when he gets it going, he's, he's a legit 4 or 5 guy. No doubt. Jeff, uh, you, uh, you've covered this league for a long time and, and spent some time covering the Titans. So I know you remember Mike Munchak when he was the O-line coach. And now 
he's in Denver uh, coaching the offensive line, but I thought it was a unique situation because he he was the runner-up, I believe, to be the head coach and then ultimately decides to come there uh, because of his family being out that way. How has that worked out, and, and do you see him being there long, or do you think he gets another shot at being a head coach? Well, you know, I actually covered Mike as a player, which I remind him of a lot <laughs> when he's telling me I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, uh, Munch is – I thought it said a lot about Munch as a person and, and Vic Fangio as a person that two guys that went for the same job sat down and decided – it was the best thing for them both if they could work together. And uh, Vic Pangio has given Munchak an awful lot of responsibility. You know, he's sort of like the run game coordinator. And, you know, Pangio uh, speaks so highly of him now. It, uh, and and Mike's uh, granddaughter lives here, and his, his daughter lives here now too. So I think it would take an awfully good job to – get him out of Denver because I, I think they he likes it here. He likes the situation and uh, he likes working for Vic. So I think it would have to be an awful good one, but uh, you never know when they start dangling the head coaching salary your way. But uh, right now he is, he's very happy with the, the family situation here for him and, and the football situation. Well, he's a hall of famer, but he's a hall of fame person too. So, uh, we appreciate you taking the time tonight to talk to us, and we look forward to the game on Sunday. Oh, anytime, folks. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. See you Sunday. Jeff Leg- bad, man. See you. All right. <laughs> Jeff Legwall covers the Broncos for ESPN, and yeah, Munch, of course. One of the, he was, he, you know, with everything going on this uh, the off season, and him, you know, applying to be the head coach, and ultimately doesn't get it. I know some of us around here were like, would it be weird if they brought him back as the offensive line coach because he was so good. <laughs> Uh, during his time here and then with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we appreciate Jeff Legwald for taking the time to to talk to us about the Denver Broncos. Uh, we got to get into those running backs. So I mentioned yeah. Philip Lindsay, but they have the two-headed monster in the backfield mm-hmm. that the Titans are going to have to watch out for. We'll do that next. Chase and TD, ESPN, one or two five the game. Chase and TD, ESPN 102.5 The Game on the game Nashville at Calvin Smith behind the glass. Yes, sir. Broncos and Titans. And we've we've mentioned it that the Broncos have two running backs that can hurt you. Now, everybody knows about Philip Lindsay. He came on the scene last year, a tremendous story. He leads the way with 327 yards on the season, but Royce Freeman has been another one that has kind of created that two-headed monster for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, no doubt. They have a two-headed monster, and the thing that's pretty cool is it's kind of like thunder and lightning, right? I mean, you got the six-foot, 238-pound back in Royce Freeman, and then you got this, the scat guy in, in Philip Lindsay. And Philip Lindsay, he's a few years ago, right? You had Danelle Pumphrey. I think it was, I'm going to say, 17, a couple years ago, 2017, coming out of San Diego State. All-time leading rusher in college football. The Eagles got him. What you see Philip Lindsay doing is what I envisioned Danell Pumphrey to be. Right. Unfortunately, he's not on the team anymore, and obviously he's not doing what Lindsay's yeah. doing. But one of the things that I notice about Pumphrey that, that really reflects in Lindsay's game is just everything is always positive. I watched three and a half games the, uh, of, of the Broncos this year. And I could count maybe two or three times he was tackled for a loss. 
He's 5'8", 190. Yeah. Size is not a skill, folks. It's amazing, too, because you see a story like that, like, okay, he's, a, he's somebody that no, they don't really know much about. Mm-hmm. He makes the team and then ends up having the season that he had. Usually what happens is teams will go, okay, we got tape on him now. So they study and they do breakdowns. And it's still – he's still effective for them. So he's showing that he belongs in this league and – this is somebody that the Titans are going to have to contain if they want to win on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the thing is, in watching the two, Freeman and um, and, and and Lindsey, Freeman is bigger, but he doesn't run with the same power right. that Lindsey runs with, just because there's a more suddenness. He'll pick that hole and squirts right through it. And then it's almost like when he's running inside – it's almost like he's playing peekaboo with linebackers, you know. And I cannot wait to ask Rashawn. I'm hoping, I'm hoping the Titans win, so they'll be a little bit more forthcoming with it. But I can't wait to ask Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, and those linebackers, even you know Vaccaro as well. I can't wait to ask them, was it difficult tracking where he's going to go behind the offensive lineman? Yeah, because that's literally what he does. Like he'll play peekaboo. And he just all, all of a sudden pops out on you. And before you know it, he's up on you because you can't track him behind the bigger uh, offensive lineman, yeah. the interior guy. So I, I just think Philip Lindsay's a complete back. There's nothing really special about him as far as, like, he's not Doesn't extremely fast. He's not extremely big, not extremely strong. He's efficient. So if there is some, I would say that's special. But he catches the ball out of the backfield. You see them using different formations. Um, like they'll ro- they'll motion him, you know, and let him go against a linebacker lined up outside. I, I showed you how they yeah. use the Texas route combo with him. They do that. Uh, there are a lot of things they they have him run the circle route, you know, and that's something that they do in in third down situations. He's he's an outstanding back in, in my opinion. So I think they're in good shape there. The Titans definitely have their hands, you know, full with, with stopping that that attack and. Um, it's going to be interesting how that whole thing works. And even when you look at Freeman, you know, granted he's not, in my opinion, as good of a back as Lindsey is, he's still decent. You know, and he's somebody that, you know, they, they run inside with. He could bang it inside. Sometimes he'll break it out. Uh, he's he's statistically, if you look, 55 carries, 250 yards. He's averaging 4.6 per carry. I mentioned being 238 pounds. He has zero touchdowns. You know who they're giving the ball to inside the five-yard line? A little 190-pounder. Phillip Lindsay has 69 carries, 327, three TDs. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry. And this is one of those, those things, Calvin, where you know how I talk about stats could be a little misleading sometimes? Yes. Well, if you look, Lindsay's averaging 4.7 per carry. Freeman's averaging 4.6. But I guarantee you, if you watch – or if you talk to coordinators, they would rather have Freeman on the field than Lindsey. Even though it's we're talking about point one yard difference, yeah. Lindsey's the better running back, and it's he's by far the better running back. Yeah, and he's shown it. What is it about Broncos running backs that we're number thirty that seems to work out for them? <laughs> Dad Gorman, and you know what? <laughs> I, I have so much respect for Terrell Davis. And yeah. when when Lindsey first you know wore number thirty as an undrafted free agent, right, living in his parents' basement. Because I don't know if you know yeah. that story. He lives he lives in his parents' basement. But I was just like, yo, man, come on, man, don't do that to a legend. 
Don't do yeah. that to the legend. But he got the Terrell blessing. Of, yeah, he got the blessing. But, man, I, I say even like Dez Bryant wearing 88. Man, don't do that. I know, yeah. Don't I didn't like that, that either as a, as a longtime Cowboys fan. Now, you brought up that Phillip Lindsay can also catch the ball out of the, out of the backfield. When you look at their stats, Teron, and their receivers, everybody knows about Cortland Sutton leading the way, 401 yards. Emmanuel Sanders, 307 yards. With 142 receiving yards, it's Phillip Lindsay. So yep. he's third on on the list in receptions as well as the leading rusher. Versatile back, man. Versatile back. And then I mentioned the combos that they use him with. Um, that's one of the things that I want to get into when we talk about Noah Fant. And yeah. Fant is a guy I, – I, I talk about how I like they use formations. Well, sometimes they'll most – well, sometimes you'll have Flacco and then you'll have Lindsey on his left and Freeman on the right. And they'll they run that old-school Madden play, you know, where the guys run flare-outs and you pick yeah. your guy. But then at other times, they'll motion Fant into the backfield, and they'll they'll run different route combos there. I really like how they're using Fant and, and incorporating him into the into the scheme. I think, as, as Legwell said, I think you're going to continue to see him get better. I had him on my fantasy team, but I dropped him after week one. But uh, I, I think you're going to see more from him. And he is a guy. There was one play. They they used the same type of uh, look as John o. Smith. Got yeah. the 57-yarder on. He had a, a touchdown, a 28-yard one. So he, And he pulled away from, from the defense. So I, I think really with him, it's all about running that route combination where you have like a, a, tiered, a tiered combo, right? You have the Texas combo where he's running an angle route, Lindsey, and then you have – a dig or some type of uh, dagger or like a crossing route from the tight end, and you're just putting the LBs in a bind. We all feel pretty good about the Titans secondary, right? I mean, they, they yeah, yeah, we feel pretty good about them. Uh, they're going to have to work on Sunday. Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders is showing that he's still got something left in the tank. They're going to have to contain both those guys. Oh, no doubt about it. And I, I like the way I'm saying I like a lot about their offense, <laughs> but I do like the way they're isolating Cortland Sutton and they're moving him across the formation, giving him different opportunities to catch the football. You see them, they go big, and he's the only receiver on the field. They work play action, and they get him on the crossing route. Then they find ways just to get him one-on-one -on -one against corners. So, you know what, Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, they're going to have to have their big boy shoes on because Sutton is a 6'4", 220-pound receiver, and he runs really well also. So that's going to be a challenge. I showed you how they, they work the smash combo with, with he and, and uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. But then they also do things where they, they'll have whoever's in the slot. Like sometimes they'll have Sutton as the slot in a twin formation, right? And he'll run, he'll run the, uh, the defense off, and you'll have Sanders coming underneath, and they'll flip-flop it. So they find ways to get their guys involved, and I think that's key. Because it seems like he has Scandarello, that is. It seems like he has a separate package for Manny Sanders, for Sutton, for Fant, for Lindsey. And I think that's what you have to do to get the max out of your playmakers. When we come back, we'll stick with the Broncos theme as we dissect them, but we'll shift to the defensive side of the ball. There's a, a guy that's been a pretty good player for them for a long time that the Titans are going to have to worry about. We will discuss Von Miller Next, here on Chase and TD, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Let's go, let's go. Hello. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Bringing the beat. 
Chasing TD, ESPN 1025, The Game, Calvin Smith nodding his head back there. That's some get-up song right there. Yeah. That's that's some get-up music right there. Hello. Hey, the Titans Good are going to they're, they're have to get up against the Denver Broncos and their defense that they're going to no have doubt. to go up against, led by Von Miller. And everybody that's thinking, eh, maybe Von Miller's lost a step. I, I think Von Miller is still very dangerous. Now, I am I'm curious to see what other pass rushers they have uh, with Chubb out. But Von Miller continues to be a thorn in uh, in offenses' backsides. I don't care what the stats say, the two sacks or whatnot. Yeah. Von Mil- Miller is a top five pass rusher in this league. The stats aren't going to tell you that right now, but you ask the guys that are yeah. in charge of blocking him, they'll tell you. You still and, have to respect him. And the thing is with him, you have to respect him. The thing is with him is – He's a master of multiple things. We had Chuck Smith on. I believe it was our first show. Yeah. And he talked about just pass rushing, being a culture, having more than one or two moves in your toolbox. Vaughn Miller has a bunch. He has a bunch. And the and thing he's that's, added through his career. Yeah, and the thing that's so cool is he has so many elite moves, and they're all kind of like tiered off of each other. And – you look at when he first got into the league. He was known as a guy who could run that circle, dip that shoulder, but he would come out of the, his stance like he was a slingshot, like somebody had him in a slingshot and just shot him out there. So what ends up happening? You have so many offensive linemen rushing to get back into their into their drop, into their set, and they end up off balance. And then you would, you would see this 6'2", 245-pound guy, 6'1", whatever he is, you would see him – blowing 6'6", 300-plus-pound guys out of the water, right? Because what would happen is they're off balance, and then what he would do is convert that speed to power. He would show the speed, show the speed, show the speed, and then convert it to power. And you're like, how on earth is he making those guys fall like this or even throwing them? Because it was almost like Reggie White, you know what I mean? But Reggie was just pure strength. But he's just using leverage, and that's how he he would get them. But then on top of that, once they started trying to trying to set and, and brace themselves for the power, what does he do? Develops a spin move. That dude is basically unstoppable as a pass rusher. So with the problems at the offensive line, the, what, they, what they have had this year, now Lawan being back in game two, you hope that it's going to get a little bit better. But obviously Von Miller is going to be a focus of their attention. Now there, there will be others, but yeah. how can this offensive line stop somebody like Miller? Well, one of the things they have to do, and it sounds cliche or repetitive because that's what you keep hearing with this offense, but they have to stay out of third and longs. They have to stay out of Mm -hmm. situations where Vaughn Miller could just be like, listen, you know what? I know they're not running the ball. I'm just going to pin my ears back and and rush the passer. They have to stay out of those. Another way to stay out of those third and longs is you got to keep from having penalties. Right, when you have a speed rusher like Von Miller, whether he's got both hands in the dirt and coming out of the track stance or coming out standing up, you cannot get those false starts, and that puts you that sets you back. So those are a couple of things they have to do for Von Miller specifically, but they're going to see other things uh, from that defense that they have to work on also. Yeah, and I don't want to hear Taylor Lewan standing up after the game, you know, saying, "Yeah, that was my bad on whatever play it was because he got called for some some penalty." That's what they can't do, and they have to be more of a disciplined football team. 
I think that starts obviously with the head coach, with Mike Rabel, and he said that. He's admitted that, that they got to have more discipline. But I'm with you on that. they got to stay away from the penalties if they uh, want to be able to, to win this game. Uh, now, the safeties, you know, they're going to present a, a threat to the Tennessee Titans in moving the offense. Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, I know you were uh, studying some film on them and, and have learned a little bit about those guys. Yeah, well, Justin Simmons is a guy that I liked dating back to when uh, it was a 16, when he was in um, in Tampa, in mm-hmm. St. Pete's for the East-West Shrine. He stood out immediately. So at Boston College, you know, the guy showed range. He showed the ability to play in the box. That range is still there, you know, as an NFL player. And he's a very good safety. But then you look at Kareem Jackson. And one of the things that really fascinated me is because I went back a little bit further and watched some of their games. And teams were able to run the football against them. The uh, Broncos are giving up, I think it's 126.4 yards rushing per game. They've gotten better with, with Kareem Jackson in there as the safety. And it, it's just interesting when you have a, a DB, you know, because that's what he is, a, a DB that is able to play corner and safety. And he kind of converted from corner to safety. He did a lot with uh, Mike Vrabel as his D.C. Mm-hmm. in Houston. So today I asked Coach Vrabel about Kareem Jackson and what stands out to him. So here's what he had to say about Kareem Jackson. He's got really good instincts. He's, he's got a really, really good toughness. He's, he's twitched up. He throws his body around. I always respect Kareem as a, as a person, first and foremost, and, and as a player, uh, second. I mean, this is a, uh, this is a guy that I you know, will know well after football. Great mentor for for my kids and other guys' his kids that would come to practice. I mean, this is a this is a real football player, real dude, real person. Coach Mike Vrabel. Yeah, so that's what he had to say about Kareem Jackson. And the thing is, in watching them, because the other thing we want to get into are the corners, right? Mm-hmm. You have you have Chris Harris, who's a legit player. Oh yeah, has a top been. a top notch corner. But after that, there's not really much. So Kareem Jackson is someone that I saw them at times, uh, even last last week against the Chargers, they had him bump inside and cover the, the slot. So he kind of played like a nickel corner, and they brought in another safety. Big thing here, Bryce Callahan is out. He right. was the guy, you, you heard what Legwell said, he was the guy they signed to go along with Harris and be their corners. He's out. The guy that was playing... Uh, last week when Callahan wasn't in, Devontae Balsby is out. They went and signed Cody Sensorball, but to be honest We're with you. We're familiar with him. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> he was here. Uh, to be honest with you, they're they're in trouble at, at yeah. cornerback. Even Duke Dawson out of Florida, um, he was limited in practice on Wednesday, I think all week, frankly, and he's questionable. So, I know we're saying run the football, and, and that's something that they should do, but there should be opportunities to pass the football against the secondary. Well, I heard that when you had that stat a few minutes ago about how many rushing yards they're getting up, I heard a diesel truck start up in my head because <laughs> I think that's what they need to do with Derrick Henry <laughs> is just run him down their throat. Yeah. And then with the corner, the cornerback situation, I mean, that's going to open up you know, some passes as well for uh, – for young AJ Brown, the the yak monster, yeah, as you call him that that slapping sound that was the face palm behind the glass, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Calvin putting his palm in his face, his face in his palm rather, 
But, yeah, you're right. There's going to be opportunities for young A.J. to yak monster. And speaking of A.J., I want to shout him out. I wrote about it on uh, Thursday. But, I mean, this dude is literally doing – he's doing everything right. Mm-hmm. Everything. Checked into the, the second home game with the Mariota jersey on. But more importantly, connecting with the fans and motivating guys to guys and girls to do something with themselves, right? What did he do on, on his IG Live? He said, hey, look, I want you guys to send me your grades. Yeah. I'm going to pick somebody. And then the dude was randomly calling people. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this this guy is doing everything He's, shown, he's right. going to some high school football games. Going to high school football he personally delivered a jersey to a kid from MLK yeah. basketball team. He delivered it to his house, a signed jersey, because he wanted to give him a shout-out for his grades. We had talked to some people that cover Ole Miss you know, when the Titans drafted him, and that was one thing that they all said about him. Of Not only is he, are you getting a really good football player, but you're, you're getting a really good person. So, yeah. so far you're seeing that and the impact that he's making on the community. So that, that has been uh, – very very good to see so when we come back we'll continue to set up the the denver broncos versus the tennessee titans they made a signing this week and it's not the one that everybody's been talking about there's another one that i want to ask teron about that i really like i think that this guy can help the titans we'll discuss that next here on espn 1025 the game that's right it's time to go eat Put the women and children to bed and go hunting for dinner. <laughs> Joe Kane style, baby. The program. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you go watch it. <laughs> Teron, I like it. <laughs> hey, listen, man. It's all about having fun, right? I We're think, having fun. I think it's really – here's the thing. There aren't many things I love doing more than, than what we're doing now, right, yeah. just talking football. So I really want that to show – and we just we have fun in the studio. We have fun talking shop, man, and that's what we do. Yeah, and you know what? I love the I love this team that we have with you and Calvin and myself because like I'm dragging it. I'm a little tired. It's just you know late Preds game, and <laughs> right? Long day, but you guys are picking me up. You're 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 helping me out. The energy drinks helping out a little bit, but that's that's teamwork makes the dream work. That's, that's it. what it is. That's it. So, the rushing attack for the Tennessee Titans. This will get you going, Chase, when yeah, I get in well. this conversation. Yeah, well. <laughs> I promise I won't bang the table. I promise. Denver averaging, are giving up 126.4 rushing yards per game. Titans are rushing for about 115.6 per game, which is 15th best in the NFL. We know Derrick Henry is he's the, he's the lead back. He's the workhorse. Mm-hmm. Deion Lewis – Hasn't been what they needed him to be. This week they signed Rod Smith. Rod Smith spent some time with the Dallas Cowboys, obviously playing behind Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I think he was with the Giants to start the year yes. uh, after being released from the Cowboys. Curious signing. I'm like, okay, because they also brought Dalen Dawkins up from the practice squad. But this seems like somebody that they're planning to use and they think he can help them. Yeah, and Dawkins kind of gives you more of what you already have. Yeah, in Deion Lewis, he's so, he's kind of that speedy speed, but they he's another one. He runs with he's urgent with yeah. him when he runs. He runs with a purpose. But I think when you look at Rod Smith, and the thing that is interesting to me, and the thing that I just completely overlooked is his size. And I I, t- I remember in the locker room was it Wednesday? I'm going to say Wednesday. 
I was standing there and I, I saw this dude walk by, and I'm like, "What outside linebacker did they sign? I, I don't remember seeing anything. <laughs> I really thought he was an OLB, but in fact, he's a running back, six three, two hundred thirty five pounds. We got to see him on Wednesday, and he he was standing. I didn't realize he was as big as he was even further until I saw him stand next to Derrick Henry. And the guys are, are almost the same size. And then we got to see them kind of during individual period. They they worked together in a tandem. He lined up at fullback. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Does yeah. he kind of line up in the fullback spot? I think that's a possibility. And he has he has that in his background. He played fullback. Uh, thank you. He played fullback there. Uh, who was that with? I want to say with Seattle, I believe it was. I want to say Seattle. Initially, he, he was converted. Um, I wanted, I'm almost you, positive you are Seattle. correct. That was his first team. 2015, yeah. he was in Seattle, and then 15 to 18 with the Cowboys. So he has that in his background. And for me, when I look at that, the other thing, he catches the ball out of the backfield. So maybe if you have him as a fullback, it won't be as predictable. Or even yeah. if you want to spell Derrick Henry, it's not as predictable because you're still getting a reliable guy catching the ball out of the backfield. Well, two years ago for the Dallas Cowboys, he had four touchdowns yeah. on, on the season. So oh, the they, were, they were using him. Now, you know, I understand playing behind Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, it's kind of like Tony Pollard now. Mm. You're, you're going to get some scraps. There's not going to be much meat left on that bone. But – Still important to have a guy like that, and with Deion Lewis having his struggles, I like that they have brought in somebody else because who knows? It might help Deion Lewis because they could do the same thing they're, that you're talking about with Derrick Henry, have some two back sets, but have Lewis and Smith on the field at the same time. Oh, without a doubt. And I, I think when you mentioned the Zeke Elliott thing, the fact that there were times they pulled a top three running back in the league they mm-hmm. pulled him off of the field to give Smith yeah. reps. I think that says a lot, right? Because And we know how much the Cowboys rely on Zeke Elliott. So that says a lot for Rod Smith. Yeah, so I, I like this signing a lot, and I think it's a, you know, they made a, a couple of different roster moves. Of course, they released Cairo Santos, signed Cody Parkey uh, to be the kicker. David Quesenberry was also released because they had 11 offensive yeah. linemen, and they added two running backs in Rod Smith and then Dalen Dawkins making – another appearance with the Tennessee Titans. So carrying four running backs right now. Yeah, yeah, and they brought Quesenberry back. He's he's on the practice yeah. squad, so at least he's still in the building. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Rod Smith is a signing. It's one of multiple moves, but it, it kind of floated under the radar. I actually got to talk to Rod Smith because I know a lot of fans don't really know uh, a lot about him, a lot of media folks also, to be honest. So I sat down with Rod Smith during um, locker room today. Here's my sit-down with with, with the, uh, the running back. First things first, growing up in the Indiana area, did you grow up a Colts fan? Uh, definitely, definitely grew up a Colts fan. Uh, kind of stopped uh, cheering for him once they let my man Peyton go. But uh, yes, yeah, it was always, it was always good going to watch. You know what I'm saying, watching the games on TV. You know, always Sunday. Sunday used to get in the living room and just watch the games with family. Then I, Brave earlier, he, he talked about, you know, how he knows you dating back to Ohio State. Do you yeah. have any particular memory? I mean, obviously, he was defense, you were offense, yeah. but do you have any memories of Brave back then? Oh, yeah, I remember uh, there was a point uh, I got I was switched to, de- to defense for a couple weeks, and uh, he was a linebacker coach. Okay. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, he just really just, he was just took really his wing, just showed me, showed me certain stuff, and, you know, when Brave was in the league, he was a great special team coach, I mean, a special team player. 
and uh, I, I kind of like just naturally took on that role just to, you know, somewhere to somewhere to get on the field, you know. And, uh, I was always the athlete, so I like I like playing like playing defense too. So I got the opportunity to do both. You know what I'm saying? Play running back on offense, and then especially I get to go down there and hit somebody. Yeah, and that's the thing that he mentioned uh, special teams with you. It takes a certain mindset to be able to go out there and excel from that side of things. What what mindset does that take though? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't really look at it as a mindset. I just, that's just who, who I am. I just feel like I'm an athlete. And when I put me on the field, I can, I can do, I can do something. I can make a play some way to stand out. You know, whether it's on special teams or when I get my opportunities on offense, definitely make the, make, make the most of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like to. I just feel like I'm a complete all-around player. Just you know, what I'm saying, got a good understanding for the game. It's just you know, when I step on the field, I just know how to play ball. To me, it's almost like a Malcolm X by any means necessary Most mindset. Definitely. That's Most that's why I, I mentioned that. Um, there was a time where you had to play a little bit of fullback. Mm-hmm. Is there a like, is that within your wheelhouse to be able to do both fullback and just regular tailback? I mean, I know I can do it. I mean, I can do. I can do it. I'm a good. I'm saying I'm a good pass protector. So. I know I can do it, and I've done it before, but uh, I'm running back. I'm running back, uh, running back first, but like I mentioned before, uh, wherever you put me at, you know what I'm saying, put me in a situation where you give me an opportunity to make a play, I can, I can make it. And that's the thing, because I watched it in Dallas. You catch the ball at the backfield well. I mean, there were times they took Ezekiel Elliott out the game to put you in. So what is your style as a running back? What do you bring to the table? Uh, versatility, uh, being able to catch it. Able to catch it, a block, run routes, you know what I'm saying? And at the same time, man, you know I'm saying I got good vision, I'm not the first route. So uh, I don't know. I just I don't know, I just feel like uh, being a, being able to be an all-around player, it helps you last in the league. Um, I ain't never really got the opportunity to to be a true starter or start like that, you know. But uh you know what I'm saying? I, I make the most of my opportunities when, 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 I, when, I, get, when I get a chance. And then to wrap it up, you have a younger brother that's not a bad football player. Do you, do you guys oh, yeah. talk a lot uh, through this whole, you know, with you guys not being on the same team anymore? Oh, yeah, yeah. We talk, uh, we talk pretty much uh, every other day. If it's not through text or if it's through phone. Uh, if, uh, not through text or over the phone. Uh, you know, he was one of the first people I called. You know what I'm saying? Told him I was, I, was, I, was, I was back. I had an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Come try out in Tennessee. And, uh... Yeah, he was just happy for me. Uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you got a, if you got a sibling, a younger sibling or an older sibling, you know that love is thick. You know, uh, you know, we, we always just in each other's corner and wish nothing but the best for each other. Running back Rod Smith with Tehran and uh, the tunes of DJ Who Pooted, a.k.a. Darren Bates, in the background, in the locker room. Yeah, it's not quite club dub, but, you know, it's turning up with the Titans, I guess you could say. I'm glad they keep it clean. Yeah, well, you know, Calvin did a good job of, because it was actually even louder than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Calvin cleaned that thing up uh, pretty well. But, yeah, Rod Smith, I think, is a guy who definitely could come in and help. The younger brother that we referred to, you know who that is? I don't. I don't. Number 54 for the Cowboys, none other than oh. Jalen Smith. I did not realize yes, they were sir. related. Yes, sir. Rod was actually, when Jalen got drafted, I remember, because I, I followed that closely, He was Jalen Smith was actually my top-rated prospect yeah. that year. A linebacker, my top-rated I'm, prospect that year. But he was awesome. So I remember... They showed when he got drafted in the second round, 
who was sitting right Which next was a to him. Steal, it by was the a way. steal. I mean, high risk, high reward. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he got drafted, and sitting right next to him was Rod Smith, and he was one of the first people. You know, that he turned and hugged. So it's cool. I, I was glad to be able to talk to him a little bit about that. Yeah, and like I said, I think he's somebody that can help this team. You're not asking him to, to carry the ball on every play. Derrick Henry is going to do that. He's going to be the workhorse. But it's just another another weapon in the arsenal that our Arthur Smith can use as the offensive coordinator. So no I, doubt about I it. am, uh, as the kids say, here for it. <laughs> so you're I'm, here for it huh? i am here can for confirm it. the kids say that chase <laughs> yes yes but, yeah you're one of them and you know a big part of that running that running attack and we we've gotten on him right uh roger saffold yeah but he's a big part of that running attack and that was one of the things that mike Vrabel said because i asked him you know what is there positive about saffold what positive and he because he kept saying that there's a lot of positive and he pointed to the running game i asked saffold about it he pointed to the running game and that is something that I will say uh, looks good from Saffold. He's done a solid job run blocking. There are some issues pass blocking. But I think, you know, when you get a guy like Saffold, and there was – I want to go to – man, this is getting crazy, man. I'm using numbers like this. But there was a statistical Uh-oh. thing Uh-oh. that I saw. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're using numbers. Under, Analytics under performance. Uh, I'm trying to trying to find this here. I was I was impressed about it to be honest with you. Yeah. So if you look at the offensive lineman, Roger Saffold has covered the most distance in yards, three thousand one hundred and ninety four point six yards. Hat tip to Next Gen Stats. And then if you look at max speed, he hit sixteen point one miles per hour. Now let me tell you something. You get a big Bama like that running that fast, watch out. Um, that play, I, I'm going to venture to say that, that the time that he was doing that was on Janu's touchdown. Yeah. If you go back, and I had Janu cracking up when talking with TD because uh, we broke that play down, to, not touchdown, excuse me, 57-yard run. It that almost was a touchdown. It should have been a touchdown. I know. Sometimes you, you're not sure if you can outrun the guy, so you curl it back in, and that's what he did. But in that run, you're focusing on Janu. But if you look, there's a number 76, hauling tail. I was cracking up, and I asked Janu, I said, hey, did you go shout out your man, uh, Roger Southwood, on, on this one? And he said he didn't talk yet about it, but he was cracking up. I guess he didn't recognize it. But I would say that was when he was running 16 miles an hour. Well, look, when the big guy can – can run that fast, that's uh, going to help you right there. It's Chase and TD, ESPN 102.5, the game. When we come back, the Broncos have been known for getting off to a fast start. The Titans are going to have to try and limit that if they want to get uh, get a win, and they have to get off to a fast start. We'll do that next. Chase and TD, ESPN 102.5. This is Rashawn Evans, linebacker for the Tennessee Titans. You listen to Chase and TD. In the danger zone. <laughs> Chase and TD, ESPN 102.5, the game, streaming on the Game Nashville app as well. Chase McCabe, Tron Davenport of ESPN, Calvin Smith on the ones and twos behind the glass. So the Titans and Broncos this weekend, uh, we will have coverage starting at 10 a.m. Calvin, we don't have to get up super Whoa, early. We don't have to get up at 5 a.m. and you will be back, I'm Chase. I'm back. I'm back. I'm going to come do the show with you, uh, I think, maybe the next couple weeks. So Yes, 
So I'm going to come do the show with you starting at 10, and then, of course, the pregame show down at the George Jones on 2nd Avenue. But the Broncos, they get off to a fast start. That's something that they have, have done, especially last week against the Chargers. They had a 17 to nothing lead in the first half. It, it's going to be important for the defense to get off to a fast start for the Titans to remain in this game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And when you look at what the Broncos did last week, they jumped out 14 to nothing in the first quarter. Their first two drives resulted in touchdowns. As a matter of fact, they gained 47 yards in the first three plays. 33 of those yards were on the ground by way of Philip Lindsay. And what ended up happening is they got to a 14 nothing lead. We talked about keeping things out of where Von Miller could just pin his ears back and rush the passer. You you're down seventeen nothing that early in the in the game, you know, in the first half. You're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. You still want to stick to the run. But that being said, that really helped the chart or excuse me, the Broncos get get off on the on the good foot. Okay? And then if you look at their average, they're thirteenth in the NFL through five games, averaging four point eight yard or points per game in the in the first quarter. The Titans, we know what the issue has been, yeah. keeping teams from scoring on the opening drive. That's something that they have to do in this case. The Titans are averaging 6.8 points allowed in the first quarter. That's 27th in the NFL. The reason why I'm focusing on that, and there we can look at second, third, and fourth quarter, but the reason why I'm focusing on that is the, the Broncos are a 1-4 team. They're coming off their first win of the season, right? So – they're going to come into this thing on a high. The momentum, they're trying to carry it over from last game to this game. The best way to shut all that down, shut them down on the yeah. first couple drives and score on your first drive. They, they have to do that. Yeah, and it's been a tale of two teams because, you know, especially the last week or last week, you have the Denver Broncos getting their first win of the season. And if you go and you kind of look, it's been close. As Jeff Legwald told us earlier from ESPN that, you know, they, they've lost games on the last possession. Mm-hmm. It's, it, they have been in these games that they have lost. And even though they're one and four and the Titans coming off a game that they probably should have won. So you have locker rooms feeling different right now. I think the, the Broncos have a little confidence. The Titans confidence is, is shaky right now. That's where the whole fast start thing really comes into play. And I want to tie that into the head coach and Mike Vrabel. He's an emotional guy. He coaches with a lot of emotion. I know he was asked about that in his press conference this week. And kudos to you guys, the media. He needed to be pressed, and he got pressed this week because it was a game they should not have lost. He was asked about the kicking situation. He was asked about the offense and, and various things. And he was also asked about... Does he coach with a little too much emotion sometimes? Does he let his emotion and, and being a former player and kind of having some of that influence some of his decisions, like sending Cairo Santos out to kick a 53-yard field goal when he had been trash all day? So I'm curious of your thoughts on that and how he has maybe looked at himself and can work on that as they get ready for this game. The thing is, there's a certain part of emotion and confidence and wanting to exhibit that confidence, there's a certain part that has to happen. And it's just unfortunate because when you show that confidence and the guys go out and they 
in turn show you why you were confident or show the media, the fans, why you were confident, you look good. Right. They don't, you look bad. And the best example of that is Frank Wright. You look at last year, they, they went for it, and they didn't, they didn't convert. They lost the game, and everybody was killing Frank Wright. But as the, years, the, the games went on last year, he started to be more risky. He, he started to not be more risky, but continue to be risky. Then even you look at this year, going for it on fourth and one on his side of the field against the Titans, getting that first down and that icing, you know, that sealing the deal. And they did it again a couple times. You look at the Monday night game. So my thing is when you look at your, your offensive line, right, use them as an example, say, okay, we need one yard. You know what? That going, I'm, I'm trusting my guys to get me one yeah. fripping yard. That's really what he's doing. He's showing confidence. Now, the, the whole kicker situation, I'll be honest. I No, mm-mm. I'm not. As a matter of fact, you you miss you miss three field goals. You miss a thirty six yarder is, is one of them. Look, man, leave, leave your jersey outside. I only want you going back in the locker room. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Because kickers during practice, you've seen it. What do they do? They kick. That's all they do. That's all they do. You got one job, man. What did Delaney kick. say? Hey, you get paid a lot of money to, to kick, and they, he's right. Yeah. They pay him money to, and it's just. <sighs> <laughs> and then and, and Vrabel said he had confidence in him and stood by him, and then they cut him. I mean, I, listen, yeah. I'm not picking on Vrabel for that because what are you going to say? You're going to cut the guy in the press conference? You're not going to do that. And so, but I and I thought he was honest because he was asked about it and said, you know, well, I'm going to meet with John yeah. coming up here in a few minutes, and we're going to discuss the roster like we do every week. When he said those words, I looked at Willie Donick and Darren McFarland and I said, he gone. Yeah, that's he, what that he means. He was more likely translation. Gone. He gone. And, and he I, was. you know, getting back to this uh, coaching on emotion thing, I, I it, it's it's tough because again, like I said, you want to show your guys you have faith in them. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to show, and that's going to get them to you know further buy into what you're doing. But man, the guys have to execute. But even you can't have confidence and faith to a fault. Yeah, I, I've been I've been rough on Mike Vrabel lately because I mean it's my job. I'm going to call it like <laughs> I see it. And so I, I've been critical of him. At the same time, I like him, and I think he's going to be a good head coach in this league. I just think sometimes, and we, we've been using the example, you brought him up just, just now, Frank Reich, that they're both second-year head coaches, and Frank Reich has maybe progressed a little further than Mike Vrabel. Now, last year he had Andrew Luck at quarterback. I think his team is built a little bit little bit better for what they do, yeah. for what they have. I think the Titans have a very solid roster. It's just piecing it all together and making it all work. And so I think Vrabel is just showing the lack of experience that he has. And, you know, what Frank Reich did in Philadelphia as the offensive coordinator, you know, you have to factor that in. Vrabel was a coordinator for one year. That's mm-hmm. it. So this is going to take time. So I understand that there has to be a little bit of patience, but then I also understand the people, and I've been one of those, that say, okay, well, if you fire the guy that got you to the playoffs and won a playoff game because it wasn't good enough, then you don't have time to take some steps back. It's it's bigger than that, though. It's, it's, it's bigger than that. I wasn't here under the previous uh, head coach, but in talking to people in that building, there's a different energy. There is. So it's it's one of those things where you have a ceiling here with my hand at knee level with one coach, but then you have a ceiling and a belief of a ceiling here with my hand at shoulder level with another. Right. So that was done more with, okay, yeah, we did that. How much 
further will this guy go as compared to what this guy can. And I will say what I've been told is the energy in the building is much more upbeat, is much more positive. Obviously, right now, right, you know, it's a move you could look back on and say, hey, I don't know. But I, I think in the future, it's a move that you're going to say it was a good it was a good one, a good decision. And I agree with that. I, I, I think it was, and I liked Mike Malarkey a lot. But I think Mike Vrabel is the new NFL, I think, and that's what they needed. I think Mike Malarkey is a little bit of the old NFL. Now, I know Vrabel p- played – you know, for Bill Belichick, he's got a little bit of the old school mentality, but you're seeing some of the new with him as well. And and the way that he relates to the players in the long run, I think that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be a big deal. That's that's a, a, a difference maker, in fact. But I think it's not only relating to the players. I think it's the energy in the building. I think it's, you know, the, the, the coaching that, that you have as far as position coaches and, and the whole mindset, I think is different. But you mentioned emotions, and one of the things that's interesting to – well, two things, right? What is the ultimate balancer to emotions is analytics. And I I just – I'm surprised that they're not using analytics more. I'm not saying – and here's the thing. Analytics, they're not a new thing, right? Right. Because one of the first things I asked Coach Rabel about was him. I said, you have an old-school mindset. What's your approach to analytics? And he said it correctly. We've been using analytics and numbers uh, for a long time, right? And I'm talking about even dating back to, you know, before the Titans even moved here. I'm talking about way, way back. Analytics have always been something, but it's it's kind of pressed to the forefront now, but it's always been something that they use. But my thing is it's the ultimate balance to your gut feeling because sometimes you get that gut feeling and it leads you the wrong way. Usually it leads you the right way. Just ask John Harbaugh with how he balances things with, with his analytics and his gut. The Ravens, I would say, are, are a good example of that. But that's one thing that, that needs to happen. But then the other thing that's really interesting to me is when it comes to challenging some of these calls, especially pass interference. Like, I don't I don't know about Coach Rabel, but you know, as a receiver, if someone interferes with me and that keeps me from catching the football, I'm pissed off. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure Vrabel's mad about it, but he is able to keep his emotions from making him challenge a play that he feels is not really is challengeable, but it's not going to get overturned because of the state of overturning the pass interference in, in, in the league right now. Yeah. And that's been something I, I know they, they added that in, but that's been something to see those stats. So when we come back, go ahead. I just wanted to mention, you made the connection between Vrabel and Belichick, and you said Belichick is old school, but Belichick is sneaky, one of the most analytically inclined guys out there. Like, he won't let yeah. anybody know it. But back in the early 2000s, uh, an article came out where Belichick was citing research papers about NFL coaches going for it more on fourth down. Belichick's out there with the new school. All right, this is what I'm going to say. And, and analytics, and this is, this is what I want analytics are not new school. They're not you're, yes, school. you're actually very right. Yes. No, it's not. something yeah. that they've been using for quite some time. I'm going to say this about Bill Belichick. You have the old school, the new school, and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has been – everybody wants to know why the Patriots are so good, why they win all the time, because he's the only head coach in the National Football League that has figured out how to adapt over the last 20 years. And, and Brady, at the same time, yeah. it, you know, is a quarterback that has – like, you watched that game last night, and they end up winning, I think it was, what, 34-14 or something like that was the final score. 
Brady looked like he was 42 year, years old at times. But the way that Belichick has that all put together, it doesn't matter. He can cover it up at least a little bit. He's adapted, and he learned that from Parcells, and he learned that from other coaches that he's worked with. They evolved to their personnel. That's really the bot. Like you know, they didn't have Gronk down. Yeah. An, an efficient, effective Gronk. They down. don't have Gronk yet. I'm talking about last year. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have him down the stretch, and what did they do? They started running the football, going more. Uh, 22 personnel, and, and we're just going to go power. So uh, you're right. And Belichick is a little bit different because he, no matter what he, you put in front of him, he is able to adapt and evolve that offense. He is Teron Davenport. I am Chase McCabe, Calvin Smith behind the glass. Chase and TD. The Titans did sign a new kicker. We'll discuss Cody Parkey when we come back. ESPN 125 The Game. Why you want to take No. Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport, we are Chase NTD, ESPN 1025, the game, and Cody Parkey is signed to the Tennessee Titans. He's going to be the new kicker. Now, he's known for being the double doinker for the Chicago mm. Bears last year. And you know what's funny? We've Because we've talked kicking all week, and nothing against kickers, but generally I don't want to spend hours upon hours talking about kickers, but because... Santos missed four field goals and helped the Tennessee Titans lose. You have to talk about it. Do we put too much pressure on kickers in today's NFL? No. Okay, good. Heck I'm glad no. you agree with me because no. I don't think so. You're paid to do one job and you practice throughout practice doing that one job. One job. And it's it's just like anything else. It's, it's a synchronized thing. Everything has to be uh, correct, you know, for it to – be successful, long snap rush to get it. The holder has to be able to drop that thing down, give it that little spin so the laces are facing the goalpost, and you got your steps and you kick it. So it's definitely something that, that you know, it takes a, a relay to be correct, but at the same time, I mean, daggone, you got to make your kicks. You have to make your kicks. That, the one thing that I, I have thought about, though, because – I know they moved the extra point back, so they tried to make it a little more difficult, but you still should be able to make that. But you do have several big-time kicks that get missed nowadays, and I wonder if it's because I look at a team like the University of Alabama. like Nick Saban apparently doesn't care about kickers because they can't find a good one. Is there not an emphasis on the kicking game in college anymore, and now that's bleeding over to the NFL? I think there's an emphasis. I want to see what Blankenship, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. I want to see what Can he the Titans- does. Get him? Hey, <laughs> if you want to draft a kicker, I don't know if I would do that. I mean, no, suck up's fine when he comes yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll get it. Actually, you know what? Let's, let's just touch on suck up right now because a lot of people have asked what the deal is with him. So, really, after this week, they could have him return to practice, right? Okay. So, once he returns to practice, you have three three weeks. You have 21 days before you could figure out whether or not he's going to be return to IR but season ending IR or you're going to put him on the 53 man obviously they put him on the 53 man Cody Parkey gets his walking papers and he's gone so that's the situation with Ryan Suckup uh we see him in the locker room from time to time and uh, you know again it goes back to that last preseason game it looked like he was kicking the ball fine to me but he at the end of the day said he didn't have that same pop in his leg that he wanted so here we yeah. are. And, and look, it's better to be safe than sorry. Ryan Suckup has been such a reliable player 
for the Titans. Cody Parkey, you just want him to come in here and just make the kicks. I mean, yeah. Just do your job. Understand, like, hey, you're probably only going to be here maybe three, four weeks. Uh, hopefully, Suckup will be able to come back. But right now, you're getting a paycheck. Do your job. That's and, all you have to do. And the thing is with Cody Parkey, yes, his last kick was a catastrophe, right? And, you know, we have the rebound. bad, the bad boy theme to our music. In Chicago, he's a yeah. bad boy because of that playoff loss. But one of the things I like about him is he's still confident. And he, he, he says he has the confidence because he's been successful before. Let's not forget, this is a guy who once set the record for points in a season mm-hmm. by a rookie. He has plenty of ability. 83.9% uh, field goals he's made. 99 out of 118. It's not like this guy is terrible. It just so happens that. Yeah, he's yeah. known for that. Was he the kicker for the Super Bowl team for Philly? No, 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 no. Was he gone? He was not the kicker. Um, how did I Because he was his... there. I mean, that's where he was. He was, well. I know he's he had was, a few stops. He was in stops. Chicago. No, I know. His but last he, stop. Right, that was his last stop, but he's kicked in Philadelphia. Yeah, Calvin, thanks for the assist. It was Jake Elliott, little Jake. Jake. Okay. <laughs> Funny story real quick. <laughs> Jake Elliott kicked – he hit a 61-yarder against the Giants. Mm-hmm. In that game, he had a miss, and we're talking about 2017. He had a miss. You want to talk about a guy being a boss? Jason Peters. Real short and sweet. Went up to – Jake Elliott, and he said, no more misses. <laughs> that dude proceeded to hit that 61-yarder, and he was money for the rest of the year. Jason Peters is a monster too, man. I, another story about Jason Peters. I remember one time in the locker room, we were in the back because his locker was back there, and he looked at – we were talking to him, and he looked and he didn't like that there were TVs next to, next to uh, the locker. Mm-hmm. A week later, guess what was gone? What's that? The TVs. The TVs. Jason Peters is a boss. Yeah. But anyway, I want to see – and I thought it was interesting because I, I, John Glennon had a good story about how they treated Cody Parkey as far as talking right. trash to him and stuff like that. I wonder who would be the guy on the Titans to talk that trash or, or even just have that no more misses comment if he if he missed. I wonder who that guy would be because they were talking to him. You, you know, they, they yeah. kind of give – Taking him through the run, the ringer, you know, I mean, since you he's can, been here. Lawan could could be that guy, but I mean, you expect Lawan to to talk a little trash. I'm going with Daquan. Daquan. I'm, I'm going with Daquan. You ever see met Calvin? Would Jarrell be like that? Jarrell too, but Daquan just has that intimidating. Now yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not intimidated by anybody, right. so I'm not saying that. But he has that look that could come across as intimidating. Calvin, pregame when we're standing out there, mm-hmm. and you see number ninety walk out. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, Because yeah. he comes out by himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just just a slow walk, and you're like, dang, that's a big Bama right there. Man. <laughs> well, you know who I think it'd be? I think it'd be Derrick Henry. The quiet Ooh. guy, big, strong, the most intimidating guy out there. He just walks up to you, what? just a couple words, hey, no more of that. No more misses here. Yeah. You know what's funny? Derrick Henry reminds me of the guy of, like, thinking. I'm thinking it was Major League or something, but, you know, the quiet guy in the locker room. Then. Like throughout the whole movie, uh-huh. doesn't say anything. Pedro, you talking about Pedro in Major League? Yeah, well, Pedro Serrano. I mean, he said he he talked some, like 
you know, I'm about trying Joe to think Boo. which quiet guy you're talking about. Well, I, and it may not be. I'm just thinking like a movie in general. Uh, uh, if you you have the sports movie, and there's the you know the guy that just he doesn't say anything, and then at the very very end of the movie where it's like they got to win this game, Derrick Henry's going to stand up and be like, "Let's win the whole blanking thing" or something yeah, yeah. like that. Henry he, might reminds me of the Predator, man. Yeah, that's what he reminds me of. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to say as we wrap up the kicking conversation. Cairo Santos has to make those kicks. As Delaney Walker said, he gets paid a lot of money to make those kicks. Cody Parkey's going to have to do the same thing. But at the same time, when you talk about doing your job, they got to get out of this third and long situation that they're in. They they have to be able to have third and manageable and get and convert on these third downs. That's where a lot of this stems from, that the offense has to be able to do what they're supposed to do so they're not in a position to kick a 53-yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, that has to happen. A part of that is the sacks. A part of that is the penalties. So they definitely have to keep things in a more manageable, a more makeable situation. But that 53-yarder was missed, but, you know, the first miss was from 36 yards. And the thing is, going forward with Cody Parkey, I want to see, you, you know, how that works as far as the confidence in him. They picked Santos over Parkey, and mm-hmm. they had them both working out at the same time. We actually uh, asked Vrabel, one of the, one of the reporters at, on Wednesday, asked Vrabel about the selection of, of Parkey now after going with Santos initially. Here's his quote on that. We, we just have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to get him ready for the game. Denver, um, that's um, it's a huge challenge. Um, we're going to need to make sure that we score points. Um, every chance that we get, you know, when we get it down there, their de- defense is very good defense, um, not giving up a lot of yards, uh, very good against the pass. So um, that he's just going to be one piece of the, of the puzzle, and you know, we'll work with him here like we, we do all the other players. There you go. Uh, Mike Vrabel on the kicking situation and signing Cody Parkey. So we'll see. You know, the Mile High City is the air is thin, so I guess it's I guess that makes it a little easier to kick in. But we'll see if he gets some big kicks as the Titans take on the Broncos. When we come back, it's the Mock Daddy. We will discuss that, plus our players to watch on offense and defense for both teams. Chase and TD, ESPN, one or two, five the game. This is Rashawn Evans, linebacker for the Tennessee Titans. You're listening to Chase and TD. Who's the Mock Daddy? Mock Daddy, Mock Daddy, Mock Daddy, Mock Daddy. You're going to make it direct to me, you Mock Back here, Chase and TD, ESPN 102.5, the game streaming on the game, Nashville app. Chase McCabe, Teron Davenport, Calvin Smith here with you. Reminder, coming up Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Calvin and I will have the kickoff, getting you ready for Titans and Broncos because it's a later game. And then, uh, of course, we'll have the pregame show coming from the George Jones on 2nd Avenue Avenue, with (laughs) Jared Stillman, Floyd Reese, and Chris Sanders as well. So it is time for the mock daddy of the week. And listen, there wasn't a lot to choose from in that loss to the Buffalo Bills. I know you both were there, and prayers to you that you sat through that. Hey, I don't mind, man. I, I watched the good and the bad, man. Uh, there there were actually a couple of of guys that I had in mind. I continue to be impressed with Logan Ryan. I just pay this man already. Just don't let him leave. He's become a leader on this team. He's doing such a great job. So he was in consideration. But from an offensive standpoint, I got to give it to the big dog. I'm going Derrick Henry. 20 carries. He had the lone touchdown. 
78 yards, 24 yard run for him. I it just I I know you're kind of I don't know if you agree with that, but I'm going I'm going with the big man. There aren't many times where you'll get me to go against something on Derrick yeah. Henry. You guys know that's your guy. I literally literally pound this table for Derrick Henry. However, I liked where you were going you with Logan, Logan Ryan. Ryan. He had a sack. He impacted uh, a couple. He actually had an imp- he impacted the interception. Yeah. He also had a uh, made Josh Allen escape the pocket and get tackled. That was the one where Rashawn Evans blew him yeah. up on the third down. I thought you were going Logan Ryan. He had a sack, like I said, and he has more sacks since 2018 than most secondaries as a group. In the right. league, you, but you hey. could, no, you've convinced me. You've convinced me. I'll go. I'll go with my initial analysis. I'll go Logan Ryan. Dang, man, you're not even gonna give me a fight. Nah. Oh man, I couldn't even get a fight. I'm backpedaling like Logan Ryan does. <laughs> I'm playing the position. <laughs> no, nah, listen, man, you you can't go wrong in my mind when you you say Derrick Henry. But I, I my guy would be Logan Ryan. But that's okay. It's okay. It's all right to to differ. Uh, what to watch for on offense from the the Titans? Who who are you going with in this game? Well, I've cheated and looked, you know, because you you have it here in the grid. We are on the same wavelength because we're in the same position group. I'm going to Taylor Lewan. Mm-hmm. I need to see what he looks like in game two because game one wasn't very good. Game two, let's see how he looks. Now that leads us to yours. Right, and for me, it it is an extension of Luan. They are the stepbrothers, right? Yeah. And that's Roger Saffold. And the reason why I'm going with Roger Saffold is I want to see – I'm expecting, like we said earlier, it's a copycat lead. So what are you going to see? You're going to see more stunts. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something about Derek Wolf. That dude is very good along the interior. He's a disruptor. I want to see if they run – the tackle tackle stunts. Mm-hmm. I want to see how. Basically, here's the deal: whatever stunt they do, is almost always going to have Roger Saffold as is one of the guys to stop. Whether it's Te, you know, yeah. with Von Miller and the D tackle on the right side of the defense, the left side of the offense, or it's the tackle tackle because you will see that as well. I want to see how Saffold is able to hold up against that. I, that's that's the thing, and that's why he's a big factor for me because, again, this is something that continues to to plague this team. I want to see how they make that adjustment and get it right. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, that left side, is just going to be uber important for the for the Titans to win. Now, offense player, offensive players to watch for the Denver Broncos, I'll start with you. Well, I'm going with Cortland Sutton, man, because in watching the games, he's, he's that get-out-of-trouble card for Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. Third and long. They're finding a way to get him to football. And at 6'4", 220 plus, he's a guy that could climb that ladder, go up and, and own the football when it's coming to him. So he's the guy for me. Like I said, they move him across the formation. They even use him to influence coverage to allow other guys to get the ball as well. So he's the one to watch for me. For me, it's going to be Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is such a talented running back. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the show, the story, you know, coming into the league last year. He wears number 30, you know, representing uh, Terrell Davis. So uh, I think that he's going to be somebody that the, I know you don't like that. I think he's going to be somebody the Titans are going to have to shut down because while Joe Flacco isn't the same Joe Flacco that he was 
three, four years ago for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a, he, he has weapons and that's, what's going to make him successful. Philip Lindsay is one of those. Yeah. I, listen, he's, he's the better of the two backs too. Yeah. Uh, when you look at defense for me, and it actually has a bit to do with Philip Lindsay, right? And uh, for me, my player for the Titans is Kenny Vaccaro. Man. Uh, I'm going with like Kenny. Vaccaro. With Kenny uh, low, low key, quietly, he's really done a solid job as a defender in his second year with the in, with the Titans in this defense. He, he was a gift too. The yeah. fact that he was on the street when Sip went down, when Jonathan Cyprian went down, and they were able to sign him. And now, look, I mean, he's one of the staples on defense. I mean, he was a gift. Yeah, oh, he was definitely a gift. And the the thing is, in signing him, like moving on from Cyprian and and having him take over, they suddenly got more versatile because Cyprian is strictly a box guy. But when you look at Vaccaro, he could bump out and he could could give you some reps as a nickel. You you know what I mean? If you need it, he could do that. But then you see him in, in the single high post. You also see him, you know, in the two deep, very interchangeable with Kevin Byard. I feel Vaccaro is key in this game just because of his ability to cover backs out of the backfield. I think an early thump on Lindsey could kind of set the tone, you know, with him come because what we say, they run the Texas combo, they run the um, the circle routes. Mm-hmm. So with with the two guys being out, Cameron Wake and Sharif Finch, I expect them to use a little more nickel. When you have a guy like Vaccaro, you could drop him down in the box, and he's essentially a linebacker. Now, obviously, you're not going to use him to come off the edge, you know, as far as rushing the passer, but he gives you the ability to be strong against the run in your nickel package, and you could also be uh, solid against the pass, especially when you go big nickel, right, when you, when you have Amani um, Hooker in the game too. The one that uh, I'm going to pick on defense for the Tennessee Titans, somebody we talked about earlier, uh, Harold Landry. Harold Landry is the pass rush is going to be important for them. Joe Flacco. We know what Joe Flacco is. The offensive line that Mike Munchak is working with there in Denver is has gotten better as the year has gone on. But they are going to have to get pressure on Joe Flacco, and I think Harold Landry is the man for the job. I mean, four sacks on the year. You put the minimum at ten. I think he's well on his way. Yeah, no doubt. Excellent selection there for me. Broncos defense. I'm going Derek Wolf. The easiest direction from one place to the other is straightforward. I think it's going to be really important how they defend him because, like I said, he's very disruptive. Nate Davis is going to have his hands full. Roger Saffold, Ben Jones are going to have their hands full. He's a key player in that defense. Mine's an easy choice. He only has two sacks, but <laughs> you got to respect this man. you got to fear this man. It's Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Titans are going to have – you know, it goes back to our players to watch on offense. We both picked offensive linemen. Uh, they get to know Von Miller because he's going to be up in your grill throughout this game. Yeah, the chicken man, man. Von Miller <laughs> with the chicken coop, man. He names chickens after his players. He's a good dresser, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. He he got some swag. I'll give it to him. He has some swag, man. So how does this thing turn out as we as we wrap things up, another edition of Chasing TD? Because Darren asked me that question earlier today when we wrapped up the midday show, and I said, I don't know. I, I don't know because I really don't. I don't know how this this is supposed to go. I, my gut wants to tell you that the Titans are a better team and they should win the game, but they should have beaten Indianapolis. They should have beaten Buffalo. They could have been more in the game against Jacksonville. I can't figure this team out right now. You know, in my predictions for ESPN.com, I picked the Broncos, but yeah, I'm going Titans 19-17. to 17. That's what Ooh. I'm going with. Low, 
pretty low scoring, both under 20 points, two-point game. I like that. We do a segment on the Midday Show called Pick 6, and we have they have to pick the team to, or the game total for this game. Had a lot of low scoring, like in the 30s, something like that. So I'm with you. I think the Titans, they, they edge it out. I think they're getting one and a half on the line. So I'll say 21-17 is what I'll go with. Tennessee Titans. There you go. So we'll see how it turns out. Safe travels to you as you head to the Mile High City. Calvin, I will see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here on ESPN 1025 The Game as we have the kickoff, the Tennessee Titans, the Denver Broncos, and then that's all followed by the pregame show down at the George Jones on 2nd Avenue. Jared Stillman, Floyd Reese, Chris Sanders, they will get you ready for Titans and Broncos. That's going to do it. Chasing TD every Friday on ESPN. 1025 The Game.